happy Mother's Day. It is so good to be back with my people. Let me say that. So um, I have missed you greatly. Thank you. Those that don't know, I spent several weeks in this little cubbyhole back here listening to y'all worship and praise and listening to Jeff preach, and uh, it's just not the same, so it's just not the same. It's good, be, good to be back with you guys, so, and happy Mother's Day again. Um, and uh, on the subject of Mother's Day, uh, I hope you all already have a gift for your mom. Um, If not, make notes for next year. I'm about to tell you the best gift you could ever give a mom, especially moms of little ones. But I believe the best gift you could ever give a mom is a, a day away, totally removed, totally removed from her normal routine, uh, totally removed from her list of responsibilities, and just a day away where it's all about her. And, um, you know, where she could maybe have some conversations that have vocabulary older than first grade. And um, maybe some conversations with less drama of a 13-year-old girl, maybe. You know, those kind of things. Just an escape to get away and um, know that she's loved and adored and appreciated. And I have to tell you, Um, One year, Brett and Natalie were probably, uh, well, they were in elementary school. I just remember that part. And Jeff, he's so, he's the best, okay? He's the best. He had, it was actually my birthday. It wasn't Mother's Day. And my birthday always falls during spring break. And so he had it all planned out. My grandparents were coming up to see the kids since they were on break. And um, he thought, well, since we have free babysitters, I'm just going to do something special for Melissa's birthday. And at the time, he had a good friend that was running one of the dealerships here in Amarillo. And so he made arrangements to get a cute little red convertible. And he was going to sweep me away for a day and just uh, let it be all about me. Well, um, about two days before my birthday, before this was all supposed to go down, it snowed 12 inches. My grandparents didn't make it. It wouldn't be the right ride for it um, with the top down on a little convertible. So anyway, I had, he, he told me his plans afterwards, and I was so touched. And so I was like, thank you, thank you. And by the way, you still owe me that trip. <laughs> and now would be a good time because it won't mess up my hair. I think that would be the best Mother's Day gift for anyone. And I don't want to just exclude that just to moms. But I think dads would enjoy a day away just to have a break, right, from the responsibilities and all that comes with it. And what I want to talk about today is that God does this for us. He um, makes a way where uh, or plans a time, a season, where we can get away and spend time with him. The problem is we often miss it because on the outside, it doesn't look like what we anticipated. It doesn't look like what we imagined it would be. I think, uh, I know for me personally, I'm a beach lover. So, (laughs) and Paxton. 
And so if, if I were going to imagine my a day away, it would probably be in an exotic loca location with a sandy beach, warm waves, and the sea breeze, right? And so since we imagine it that way, and then God presents it in a different way, we miss it. And we miss out on the opportunity of what he intended it for. And so um, what I want to do today is take a look at that from a different perspective. And one of my favorite movie lines is from uh, Dead Poet Society. And you remember um, Robin Williams played Mr. Keating, and he's teaching this class of boys. And he stands up on his desk. Do you remember when he stands on his desk? And he says, why am I standing on my desk? Of course, the boy he called on had the totally wrong answer. But he was trying to let them know that whenever you think you know it all, you need to take a look from a different perspective. And you'll learn something new about it. And that's what I want us to do today. I want us to take a look at our circumstances from a different perspective, a heavenly perspective. I want us to put on our spiritual glasses and see what it is that God's trying to show us. And so most of our text today is coming from Exodus. And in Exodus, we know the story of uh, Moses. And what is he doing? He's getting the Israelites out of Egypt. And from Exodus chapter 4 until, um, until they actually leave, we'll see this phrase seven times. It's the message from God the Father. It's the message from the Lord to Moses to be delivered to Pharaoh. And seven times it says, Let my people go so they may worship me in the wilderness. And some translations say, Serve. Let my people go so they may worship me in the wilderness. So, our exotic location it's a wilderness, okay? It has lots of sand. It probably doesn't have the soothing sound of waves, and it probably doesn't have that gentle sea breeze. It might feel more like the hot uh, blow dryer wind out that we have out here. And um, the purpose, what is the purpose? The purpose is to worship and serve the Lord. And so I want to give you two quick simple, simple definitions. Um, the first one is for worship. This is not from Webster's Dictionary. This is not from some Bible dictionary. It's just a simple uh, definition I learned years ago. I heard someone say it, and I loved it because it keeps it so simple. But worship is my mind's attention and my heart's affection. My mind's attention and my heart's affection. So you can always check where your worship is by asking yourself, where's my attention and where's my affection? And if it's on something other than the Father, it's an idol. It's a sin. And we need to throw it off. Okay? We need to throw it off. Um, I, like I said in that translation, sometimes they use the word serve. Serve the Lord. And so here's a simple definition for serve. Know him and make him known. Okay? Know him and make him known. How are we going to get to know him? We talked about in our dream day away, having those intimate conversations with rich vocabulary. Okay, so to know him comes with time spent in conversation. Not just these quick little prayers when you're desperate, but let's just have some daily time just talking to him throughout the day. And then when we're in those wilderness experiences, we need to talk to him. 
So that is our purpose when, they're, when we're in the wilderness. God said that they may worship and or serve me in the wilderness. And if I'm going to know him and make him known, how can I know him if I'm never in a, circumstances where, in a circumstance where I'm totally dependent on him, where I have to be looking for his mighty right hand, where I have to be looking for his miraculous works? If I'm never in a desperate situation where I need those things, I don't fully know him. So we need to come with um, a grateful heart to those wilderness experiences because we're going to learn and get to know him in a better way. So let's go, um, let's go back to our description of our dream vacation. Remember, it's, uh, we're swept away from our daily routine and our responsibilities. And then let's look at Exodus 13. Exodus 13, 17 tells us that God led them on a less traveled route, okay? He actually took them south instead of north with the way the people normally traveled. And then Exodus 14, 2 and 3 tells us that he purposely, okay? Remember, God's doing this, all this stuff on purpose. He purposely placed them right against the sea. And basically, Pharaoh thought they, would, they were stupid. They're like, oh my goodness, look at these dumb Israelites. They went south. They didn't go north. Now they're right against the sea. They're all mine. I'll just take them out. And so the, um, in, after that, it tells us that the, um, they're there at the sea. Now, I imagine it. You've got, you've got over a million people. In fact, I think it's like two million people when you count the women and children. And so the front end, you know, Moses and Aaron are down there, and they're at the sea. And so, you know, who knows how long the line is? The lines at Pink this, Pink this weekend were atrocious. So the line of the Israelites is way back here at the mountains. And so I imagine that they are starting to feel a rumble in their sandals. And maybe someone looks back and sees a cloud of dust. And then they start to realize it's the Egyptians. They're coming. And, you know, word starts to travel, gets to the front of the line. Now we're back at the sea, and the Egyptians are coming. And everybody's freaking out. And so let's look at what Moses tells them in Exodus 14, verses 13 and 14. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. You need only to be still. Here's the deal. Why do we come to the wilderness? God wants to bring us to a place where we are stripped of self-sufficiency and brought to divine dependency. He wants to bring you to a place where you're stripped of self-sufficiency and brought to a place where you're uh, totally dependent on him. I might find a way out of my wilderness. I mean, we do that many times because we miss the purpose. But when I do that, I'm glorified, not him. And remember what our purpose of the wilderness is, to worship and serve him, to know him, and make him known. And he must receive the glory, not me. If I receive the glory, I become bigger. And that's not my job. My job is to make him bigger. He needs to be magnified, not me. So let's see what happens after Moses tells them this. 
Well, actually, I'm sorry. Let's go back to verse 4 in chapter 14. Um, He tells, uh, yes, this is the Lord talking to Moses. And he tells them, he says, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Know him, make him known. Who's going to find out he's the Lord? The Egyptians. Know him and make him known. My ultimate goal is to take this experience and this new learned behavior of knowing him and making him known in this wilderness. I need to take that new learned behavior back with me to my daily routine. Because we don't live our whole life in the wilderness. We have seasons of rest and uh, where everything seems to be coming together perfectly without any challenges. But we don't want to lose that divine dependency. We want to keep that in our daily routine and be divinely dependent even on the little things. So this is where the Israelites found themselves. They're at the they're at the border, the shore of the sea. And remember, Moses says, "You need only be still. The Lord will fight for you." They're stripped of their self sufficiency, and they were totally dependent on God. And He came through. What happened? He split the sea, a wall of water on their left and a wall of water on their right, and they walked on dry land. They did not walk in mush. They did not get bogged down in the middle. It was dry land. And when they got to the other side and looked back, what did he do? He crushed, crushed the Egyptians. Those, wall of, those walls of water came crashing down, and he crushed the Egyptians. So let's see what happens. What's the result? Exodus 14, verse 25. And the Egyptians said... Let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. I think he was made known. And then verse 31. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed along against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses' servant. So they, have, they now know the Lord and they have made him known. The Egyptians know who he is. The Israelites know who he is. And look at chapter 15. That whole, I'm not going to read it, but that whole chapter is a song of praise. Okay? We worship in our wilderness. We worship. We sing songs of praise. Hebrews explains how Moses was able to lead the Israelites in their initial wilderness experience. Let's look at Hebrews 11.27. So when we're in the wilderness, we ask ourselves, where is my mind's attention and where is, our heart, where is my heart's affection? Is it on my circumstances or on the one who brought me to them? Let's see what Moses did. Hebrews eleven twenty seven says, It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. His mind's attention, his heart's affection was on the Father. He was steadfast and he persevered. How did he do that? He practiced Hebrews 12 too. He fixed his eyes on Christ, the author and perfecter of his faith. 
his mind's attention, and his heart's affection. When we practice this, it's easy to be still and, the, and let God do our battle. I wish I could tell you that when you have your eyes fixed on Christ, that you wouldn't see your wilderness around you. I mean, it would be awesome if we had blinders, but it's still there. And I know from experience. And so you still see the yuck and the, the constant battle of the mind. But I will tell you this. He's not, it's not going to be totally blind to it, but it's easy to rest in it. When my eyes are fixed on Christ, I have peace and I have rest. And I can sleep at night and I can wake up the next day and do that day. And I can sleep at night and wake up the next day and do that day. And when you're in a wilderness, it's one, time, one day at a time. And that's all you're supposed to do, one day at a time. We have another wilderness example, and this time it's in the New Testament. Any guess? It's Jesus, okay? Jesus. Matthew 4.1, Mark 1.12, and Luke 4.1 tell us the Holy Spirit sent him into the wilderness, okay? So, again, it's God's purpose. He has a purpose and a plan, but he sent Jesus into the wilderness. So, if Jesus isn't exempt from the wilderness, why should I be, right? So, get ready. Just know they're coming. They're just seasons, but they have a purpose, and you'll be blessed for them. So, how did Christ respond? It tells us that he stood firm on the truth. Remember, Moses told the people, stand firm. Do not be afraid. Stand firm. What do we stand firm on? The truth. Where do we find that? Scripture. Okay? We know that Christ used Scripture to, um, to answer back at Satan's lies. And let me tell you, too, from experience, you have to be grounded in Scripture well before the wilderness comes. Okay? Daily, you need to be in the Word. You need to be learning it. You need to be memorizing it. Okay? And then, when you enter into your wilderness, you're ready. And when those attacks come, when that darkness is there, it comes back. And it's, it swells up in you. And it brings you that peace. And it gives you that strength that you need to go one day at a time. But Christ was grounded and stood firm on the, tr on the truth through Scripture. Then, let's look at what he tells uh, Satan. Matthew 4.10 we see this again in Luke 4, 8. But he says, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Worship and serve. Let my people go into the wilderness that they may worship and or serve me. Now remember, Jesus had been fasting. He had been fasting for uh, 40 days. He had been in the wilderness there. What does that tell us? He was stripped of self-sufficiency. Even Jesus was totally dependent on the Father. He's our example. He wants us to be totally dependent on the Father, that divine de dependency. And by practicing this principle, he was able to exit the wilderness and enter into his promised land. Okay? And he entered in grandly. He entered in with divine anointing to make God known to all those around him. His everyday life 
was a song of praise to the Father. And he wants us to take that same example and to practice that. The wilderness, it comes. Some of you may be in a wilderness right now. I've just come out of one. And that's the good news. They're only a season. You will get to the other side. And you will enter into your promised land. But the, the wilderness comes in all shapes and sizes. Sometimes they're financial. Sometimes they're relational. They might be emotional or mental. And they might be physical. But when I'm in the wilderness, I need to stop and check myself. Where is my mind's attention? Where is my heart's affection? Am I knowing him? Am I getting to know him in a new way? Am I making him known in the wilderness? Don't wait till you get out, okay? You have the opportunity to make him known in the wilderness. And where is my focus? Is it on the one, uh, is it on my circumstances? Is it on my wilderness? Or is it on the one who brought me to my wilderness? Remember, he took you there. And he's gone ahead of you. And he's got a plan. And he's got a path for you to take through it. And when people say you should go north, he's saying, no, let's go south. I've got good things for you here. So keep your focus on the one who brought you to the wilderness. Because he's the one that will get you through your wilderness. And I'm guaranteed to get through my wilderness when I focus on him. And I want to close with Psalm 40. Psalm 40 is one of my favorites. And let's read verses 1 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. Stand firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Know him and make him known. And let's look at verse 9. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Know him and make him known. Worship him. Keep your mind's attention, your heart's affection on him, no matter what season you're in. Learn to be divinely dependent and bring that back into your daily routine. I pray today that, uh, that this is liberating for someone, that it's encouraging for someone, and maybe it needs to challenge someone. And so, as we enter into a time of ministry, I'd like to ask you to stand. And if our prayer, our ministry teams would come down. I know that God has spoken through his word. It says when his word is spoken, it, it doesn't come back void. So someone has heard from him today. It was just what you needed to hear. So what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And so at this time, as we enter into a time of ministry, I just pray you'd act on that. Respond. Step out. Do whatever it is he's hold, he has put on your heart to do. And just uh, be bold. Be bold. And if you need to come forward, these guys here are, are here to pray with you or for you. Let them stand alongside you, wherever it is you are today. 
Or maybe you just need to come and have a quiet time just uh, at the altar with the Father. I pray that you would um, act on that at this time. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for your resources. You are our divine resource. You're everything that we need, no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, Father. You are there, and you have the provision. You have the provision. You have the path. You have the directions, everything we need for the journey. So I just pray today that we would just uh, make a commitment to just be keep our eyes fixed on you, to always remember that you're there. You're, you are our provider and our protector. So I pray now today as your, as your word has been spoken, Holy Spirit, move among this place. Move among your people and may your people be moved. May we be moved to action. May we be moved to obedience. This is your time, Father. 